Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E.G. Black. Hello. And with our special guest for this week, Joe Archer. Ah, hello, guys. How are you doing? So, Joe, to those who don't know you, could you briefly introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, So, I am a sort of indie director, producer, um, bad writer. Like, (laughs) that's the kind of thing that I do. I um, also have a kind of little production company called Vendor Productions, where we um, film things for whoever will pay us, which is not that much these days. <laughs> Thanks to the uh, lockdown, there's not much um, filming going on at the moment. But at this point in time, um, you might have seen my, my shorts that I've done called On in 15, which is going to festivals. It's about a band. You've got to get on stage in 15 so minutes. So I, m- I met you at the Yes, uh, you did. Um, yes, you did, yeah. And that's, that is where we first met, wasn't it? At the, at the Odeon there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so many comedy films. I produce the odd drama. I like to direct comedy and then, like, produce dramas that I particularly like the script of. So that's sort of, that's me. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so the listeners might have heard me reference your premiere at one point, because I remember talking hmm. about how strange it was to be counted as an industry guest and the fun of that. Well, no, you, yeah, no, it was good because then we ended up talking about and the film that you just made. Uh, that was good. It was good to see that, yeah. So, um, what was your first experience with the film about time? Well, I haven't seen it before, so this is the okay, first um, time I've seen anything of it. Um, so, when I, so the first, am I, am I meant to say what minutes I've watched or can I just talk about um, it? Just, it just what your overall impressions are and then we'll go into the minutes in, I, in a moment. Okay, so yeah, what it is, it's a very quaint, British, it just oozes like this kind of middle class, upper class kind of Britishness of like sort of like folly and that and just sort of, uh, it's, it's, it just feels very, it's very nice. It's what it is. It's just very, very nice what I got from it. Um, you might have just sent me a very nice bit, but it maybe goes into a drama or a war <laughs> film or a horror, like, you know, but in the, in the six minutes I watched, it felt very, very, I think, I think quaint is just the right word for it. I don't, maybe that isn't, but like, it just felt to me, like when they were playing this, this bit where they're playing, it's the guy, it's the dad and the son playing table yeah. tennis, and that reminded me of me and my dad playing table tennis, and you know, in, in the long summers, it feels like, what, yeah, it feels like a British summer is what it feels like, if you are live in the shires, like not in the city, it's a very different, um, experience if you live in one of our sort of cities, but it felt very much like a summer holiday is what it yeah. felt like. Definitely. And I, I, I'm assuming, actually, from these minutes, that you're unlikely to, unless you've read up on it, to know what the film's actually about. <laughs> yeah, all, all I got, uh, what I got w- with it was, um, and it's amazing, actually, I don't know whether it's very similar to the rest of the film, but every scene was essentially, like, a minute long. So it just really felt, well, like, it was just absolutely powering through. Um, lots of stuff and like I saw a bit of table tennis a little chat on a beach uh, then they're like hooray um, we're going to get married and I'm pregnant and then they're getting married like that's what I got it was very very quick yeah. it was a very eventful six minutes so like some huge life moments happened in that bit not not table tennis table tennis isn't a huge life moment you probably won't know that this film as well as being just a romantic comedy is about time travel Ah, okay. 
it's the third of the films in which Rachel McAdams plays someone who she knows someone who can travel in time, and it's my favourite of the three. In fact, it's my favourite film overall. A lot of people have laughed at me for that, but it's just it's one of those. Films, it's probably not. I mean, like I think the thing is, a perfect film is just one where you where the good outweigh the bad. And for me, this film feels like a warm hug whenever I watch it. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Um, again, it's warm. The palette is very, very warm. The characters are very warm. There's nobody in there. I mean, I don't know about the rest of the film, but this, certainly this bit, no conflict whatsoever. It was just very whimsical. Whimsical, there we go. That's the perfect word for it. It was, again, lots of warm colours. I'm watching a clip of it right now. You've got a nice, um, she's in like this red hoodie mm-hmm. and, and the blues and stuff like that. And everything else has been these like nice yellowy warm pastels. So it's just like, yeah, I, I can see why it is like a bit of a hug. Like it's just like a warm hug, yeah. Um, but yeah, you've definitely got an eventful few minutes. It's, yeah. We've given you good ones and such a, a major pivotal part of the film, really. Mm. But that's it. No, it is. It is. And the thing is, it's not, um, but there's also some great um, scenes in it. Like I said, I really, I really connected to the one with the um, with the dad and the. I, think, I presume it's a father and son yeah. relationship, like um, um, playing table tennis. That I really connected with that. I thought that was really funny. Both actors like being and um, was just being great. And then we also had the scene where um, he's trying to plan the wedding, and then his fiance is like saying, "I'm going to take my clothes off if you actually make a decision about things." <laughs> That was also a funny little scene to get as well. Yeah. So it's a very eclectic um, bunch of scenes. And then they go straight into the wedding. And they go straight to the wedding with that. So it was a bit of a, um, yeah, it was it was very nice. That was it. It, was, it didn't feel like anything's going to go wrong in this story. So it just felt like, I don't know whether that's like... Mostly because he goes like, back in time and fixes everything that goes wrong. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. So there we go. So has he gone back in time at this point? A few times, yeah. Um, and... Oh, that's also oh, is that what he's doing? Well, he ha- he uh, hasn't affected a... this moment yet. This is the first time they've mm. she's gone to meet the parents. and They're announcing mm. they're getting married. And... Mm, okay, cool. Um, and oh, okay, and she's wearing red. Is she wearing red in every single scene? Am I just being am I just being like really weird? Not but in she... every scene, but it is no. the the Sorry, red just... wedding dress is interesting. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I've the red wedding choice. dress before. So, like, I was just wondering whether that's like a theme. But, yeah, but that'll on. be that will that'll be more a topic for when we go on to the third episode this week. So I'm just going to read through the dialogue of the first of minute sixty six, and it's oh, and of course, um, I have a weakness for your son. Mm-hmm. Mary says they're actually incidentally both called Mary, so it'll be Mary and Mum. Wait, he's and marrying she, somebody who's also got the same yeah. name as his as his mother. Okay, yeah. that's <laughs> that's already funny. Uh, go on, yeah. Um, and she says, and his mum says, so do I, but best not tell him. Don't want him getting cocky. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, that, this is the only exchange that we get in this with Lindsay Duncan as the mother. We don't see that much of her in the film, but what we get of her is just so brilliant. It's such a good casting choice for Lindsay Duncan, I think. And I think maybe having Bill Nye and Lindsay Duncan, two legendary British actors playing the parents, it gives, it makes them like the quintessential British family, even though Donald Gleeson is Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. No, they do really work, and you're right, it is, it is, that is the, the best casting you could probably go for if they're playing that, and that's probably why you, you only have to watch a minute of this, and you know what, what the kind of, where these people are from, who they are, you sort of know exactly who they are, and yeah, and that does come from really good casting, as well as, uh, yeah, yeah. So then, as we talk about table tennis, the dad, played by Bill Nye, is pow, I'm so good without the ball, pow, pow. <laughs> And Tim just asks about 
what he thinks of Mary. What do you think of her? And he said, I like her more than you already. <laughs> and then we get the first mention of Il Mondo as Tim goes, oh, look, I've forgotten this. Jimmy Fontana, Il Mondo. The dad follows that with greatest record ever recorded by an Italian who looks like he's got a dead badger on his head. <laughs> and um, Il-, Il Mondo is known to have been something that's very close to Richard Curtis's heart as a piece of music. We'll talk more about that next week as we actually get to hear most of the song at the wedding. We only hear a glimpse of it today. But he's been trying to incorporate in stuff for ages, even down to the point of writing an entire sitcom entitled Yes Minestrone that never got picked up just so he could use Il Mondo as the theme song. <laughs> And I guess, did either of you notice the portrait of Nick Cage in the background while they were playing table tennis? Which one's supposed, which one is, is supposed to be Nick Cage? Um, the one behind the dad. Oh. You're right, there is, you're right. The bottom left is very, is very subtle, is in the wide. Um, yeah, that's very, what, the, on the floor, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> why is that there? Who, yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. It, I, I mean, I hadn't noticed it until I'd heard it commented on in the commentary and it was like, yeah, it's just so odd. <laughs> Why is that? Okay, amazing. Okay, uh, this maybe something shouldn't be questioned, but like uh, that. What a very because it's not even at the forefront. It's like literally hidden in the bottom left-hand corner on the floor, like completely discarded. Like, is it even a is it even an in joke that they forgot to put at the forefront? Like, it's a very well hidden. In joke, it's very strange. Like, I mean, I the, 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 the house this is filmed in is a rental house, so maybe for some reason that's part of the the dressing of the house, and they've just kept it there. I don't know. They've completely redressed other rooms, so it seems odd. So yeah, Tim says, and you've got the album. Dad says, yes. Check out those specs. Come on with the game, right? And what an extraordinary game this is! For the first time ever, a father and a son are playing each other in the world table tennis final. And neither of them are Chinese. Tremendous play from the old world champion and his son, the first openly ginger British table tennis player. But there are signs that the youngster's beginning. And that's where our minute 66 concludes. And yeah, I, I mean, I do like that from these scenes, you know, with you having seen this for the first time, you get a brilliant aspect as to what their father-son relationship is. It's It's just a brilliant relationship. And as you said, it reminds you of your relationship with your dad. And I think that's the way with it, that they leave enough there that people can place their own family into these characters and connect a bit more with them. Like, yeah, and also the making the sort of mildly racist jokes about um about Chinese tennis players. <laughs> like I think I think if anyone but anyone mildly can racist that from their enough. Yeah, mildly racist <laughs> enough for it to not come across as offensive, but no. enough as a sort of thing that someone would say in real life. Oh, no, but yeah, exactly. Unlikely to it's, say on it's, TV, it's, so it's it works. Cool. It's not even, that's the point, is that it's such a, ends up sort of not really being any kind of, like, racism, just in that it's sort of said with absolutely no, um, no, no, no volatility whatsoever. And it's just kind of, again, just like a quaint joke that actually said said to the wrong crowd at the wrong time. It's, it could totally be like a, an absolute mishap. But... I, I like the first openly ginger British table tennis player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another... Which, again, would be very offensive to ginger, but I just I think that's just really funny that it is. It is that kind of humour that um, you'd find that only a kind of a son and a dad would would share like kind of openly mm-hmm. so it's it, it does it does put you um, in a space that is that is purely um, our family really yeah it's really nice so Robert is there anything on visuals for this minute this whole segment is fairly simple on visuals it's just like it's camera on guy who's talking and you, you get some nice back and forth during the table tennis but nothing I was going to do like a play by play on 
so I guess we can slide straight into minute 67, the second minute for this episode, um, where the dad continues with, to crack, there are tears in his eyes, Tim follows, there are not, there soon will be. And then we, we cut straight into Kit Kat, which we'll talk about in a moment. There's not really much more even to say about this exchange, it's just a continuation of what we looked at last time. I, I would note, um, as the guy who obsesses about locations, I don't know where this room is. I don't... What, just... I, I don't, it's not in the house. Unless there's a basement or some other level that is it's, in the It's your classic table tennis room. You right. Know, everyone's got a table tennis room. You know, um, out the back next to the kitchen always. Uh, you know, it's just the table tennis place. I don't know. I've got Just, no just idea opposite the swing ball room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, in, indoor swing ball. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> like, just a room for the swing I, ball. I stayed in a house. China place. I stayed, the shelves a, around it. I stayed in a house in England where the, the attic had a snooker table, a pool table, and I think a, like a foosball table. Just up in the attic, all three. It was great. That's good. That's, that's brilliant. So they're um, in the attic. That's they could be. The there attic, are stairs yeah. going up I'm above the second floor. Yeah, that we, we, we do see later on, yeah, them going up stairs to this moment, so I guess that would be the, the logical thing. I mean, I, well, one of the questions could be, I guess I could literally contact the venue and ask them, maybe. Well, there's great <laughs> galleries of this house. There's pictures of every room. And so I'm like, this room isn't there. But maybe it is, and they, it's normally storage, so they don't put it in the gallery. Yeah, maybe. We, of course, learned several weeks ago, or several weeks after this, when we recorded it, that this was a separate building on the property and not in the house. So I'm right, the gallery doesn't include it. And thank you to JP and Liz for giving us more details. So yeah, then we go to Kit Kat and Tim at his parents' house. Well, he's obviously still at his parents' house. I mean, Robert, you're you're a big fan of Kit yeah. Kat's character. So. She's about to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and what impression do you get of Kit Kat, Joe? Oh, sorry, Robert. <laughs> yeah, I think that she's that is great. No, I think she it was hmm, well, she's distinct from the rest of them. That's quite good. It's very important to try and make sure all your characters are like distinct yeah. and, and just the way she was sort of speaking and her attitude. Um, to things did mean that she did stand out, and it, it made me want to know like more about her because she wasn't acting like anybody else. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't. She's not in, and then she runs in and takes out her. <laughs> who is that? Who's she taking Mary. out there? Oh, oh, his fiance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's brilliant. So yeah, I mean, I like this exchange because yeah, she's still got that that humor about her, mm-hmm. but she's also there's there's that hidden seriousness behind it yeah, as well. Yeah, in the larger context of the story, you can tell something's wrong in Kit Kat's life, but we don't know because we're not following yeah. her. Yeah, we don't know Kit Kat's story yet, and in case Joe, you end up watching the film, we won't talk too much about her story either. <laughs> that's what it. That's what came off was that there, there was something hidden yeah. in there that there was something I didn't know about that that I should, and it just it kind of made this like weird, awkward um, feeling. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's good to know. It's good to know. So Tim says to Kit Kat, "Hey, I didn't know you were here." She says, "Yeah, I just popped down for a while." Oh, okay. What about the job? When he says, "What about the job?" She slides her fingers across her throat, and he and she has a, a couple of weeks. Gosh, so life in London, she says, "Horrid." Okay, and then Kit Kat asks, um, "Is Mary here?" Yes. Where? Uh, downstairs. Um, you be gentle. Be gentle. <laughs> And then, yeah, she goes down, tackles Mary, yeah. And, Robert, I see on your notes that you've got a really good note on visuals for this. Oh, yeah, but uh, Kit Kat at her best, because she's, you know, running through and tackling, and she tackles Mary onto beanbag chairs 
and a purple rug, which Kit Kat's color is purple. So I, I put in my notes like this is where Kit Kat always tackles people. <laughs> And I guess that because she's she's also yeah you can tell something wrong with her life because the purple that she's actually wearing at this point isn't as poignant as otherwise so it's like yeah it's like her her silly side is almost more hidden yeah. by her costume but it kind of gets woken up when and Mary's I'm, there so she tackles it. Mm. The Uncle Desmond says careful, mm-hmm. and Mary says yeah nice to see you too. Kit Kat yeah, and Mary says I'm trying to make a good impression. <laughs> Kit Kat says yeah you make a good impression. Uh, which Tim then followed, um, uh, that's a different scene. I'll yeah. talk about that in a second. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a great exchange because we've only seen a tiny bit in a montage with Kit Kat and Mary that we didn't get to see what their relationship is like. So I think it's, it's brilliant that we see it here. Mm-hmm. And she says she had brothers, so she hasn't had a sister, Mary. Right. So I guess Kit Kat is almost like a sister to her at this point. Although she says she, Mary says she has brothers at the start of the film, but then there are no brothers at the beginning. Right, she might have been so. lying. <laughs> I love that this this little exchange between Mary and Kit Kat happens while they're still just laying on the floor. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, have we have we got any other comments on this before we go just into Tim making the announcement? This is the drawing room if you're going to stay at the Portman house. The piano is there. It's part of the room. As, as I said before, I really want, like, there's no way I can afford to actually stay in the house, but I really want to, like... See whether I can travel down to Cornwall and just look around for a day. Like, just, or even just like a couple of hours, just ask, like, pr- like, you know, plug the show, use that as a way mm-hmm. of being, like, yeah. we host two minutes about time. Any chance we could look around for, like, an hour or two and just take some photos? Who knows? We don't know how long this lockdown will last. Don't know when on earth I'm going to be able to get to Cornwall, but it just, it just looks like such a lovely place that I'd love to just be there and take it in. So we cut to Tim in the dining room. Saying, right, sorry, um, sorry, I've got an important announcement to make. And that's where our, our minute 67 concludes. So, I mean, what, what impressions overall do we get on these minutes? Uh, well, really just, again, really nice. You sort of, um, for me, it's the first time I sort of see these characters and, and their connection to the, to our protagonist. Uh, and I, I, I completely understand what their relationship is. I knew that that was his dad. I knew that was, um, actually in some ways Kit Kat, I'm not too sure. Maybe they're, maybe it's like brother and sister or, um, something like that. I don't really know, but like, I, I, it was good to, mm, I think, I think even, even though I've not seen any of it, I kind of knew what was going on and I, and I connected with those characters, which I think is the most important thing to do is you, you see the connection between two characters and then also you, gain a connection between those characters and the audience. I think they're two really important things. And the fact that they've managed to do that two minutes is pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's great. And as someone who's guested on a lot of Movie by Minute shows, there are several occasions where I can just be sent a minute or two and have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's nice to know that this one isn't one of them for you because, I mean, Robert knows from me doing Dave Made a Minute that <laughs> it's very, very hard to talk about stuff when you have no idea what's going on. Yep. Um, yeah. So, Joe, where can the listeners find you on social media? Oh, they can find me on Instagram. It's something like at Joseph Archer, then the, then the underline, whatever that is, second underscore, something like that. Um, that's on Instagram, also on Twitter, just search main search, search for my website in Google. There's also, again, Windows Open Productions, which you can find all the stuff there. But yeah, just, just give a little search my name, uh, and you should hopefully be able to track me down. Um, yeah. 
And Robert, where can our listeners find you? Social media, Robert E.G. Black, or my website, lemmingdrops.com. And the listeners can find me on Twitter, at llama underscore bottle zero. They can find me on Instagram, at the ginger luke. They can find me on Facebook, at Luke Allen Film. All podcasts, radio appearances, short films, and anything I'm remotely involved in is probably listed at lukeallen.co.uk. This show is available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Are at Two Men's About Time. They can also join our Facebook group where we discuss all things about time and anything to do with tangents or whatever goes on in this show, which is titled The Cupboard. Thanks so much for listening, and today's goodbye, as always, is brought by a random article I found listing different ways to say goodbye. And uh, we've got a bolt. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs>